Paul Rill is the owner of three companies, Oscar Mike Appraisals Group. He is also the co-owner of Oscar Mike Mobile Appraisals, and he has just launched an innovative app that is set to disrupt the residential appraisal industry. He is also a successful restaurateur who has recently launched a new fast casual Mediterranean concept in Greenville, South Carolina, two restaurants, both called Parsley and Mint. The Who's on the Move podcast highlighting entrepreneurs making an impact in our communities is made possible with the support of First Community Bank. First Community Bank knows local businesses, professionals, and entrepreneurs form the backbone of our communities, and for more than 25 years, they have served those customers in the Midlands, Upstate, and Aiken regions of South Carolina, as well as Augusta, Georgia. First Community Bank, member FDIC. And Nephron Pharmaceuticals, a South Carolina-based company, Nephron develops and produces safe, affordable, generic inhalation solutions and suspension products. And also the Riley Institute at Furman University. The Richard W. Riley Institute advances social and economic progress in South Carolina and beyond by building leadership for a diverse society. Learn more at Furman.edu forward slash Riley. This series is also made possible with the support of NP Strategy, a strategic communications firm comprised of former journalists, political insiders, and public relations executives. Learn more at npstrategy.com. And finally, Endeavor, offering workspaces, day passes, meeting rooms, and business team memberships for growth-minded professionals in the heart of downtown Greenville, South Carolina. To set up a tour with Endeavor, visit endeavorgreenville.com or you can call 864-720-1800. You own three businesses. Talk about your journey, your path to entrepreneurship. So the focus wasn't really entrepreneurship in the beginning. It just kind of led that way. I I really didn't have, I, I didn't really have a path to be honest with you. I, I was in the military for eight years. I, I was in the Marines. I got out. I kind of moved around a lot doing corporate world stuff. I sold software for a little bit. I, I managed a distribution center for, for a major shoe company. Um, and then just kind of took some time off. I'd been working since I was like 15 years old. And I ended up going down to Folly Beach and bartending on the beach for two years. And I just kind of shut the world out for a while. And I had a condo right, right on the, right on the sand, right over the sand. And my, my, uh, the bar that I was, I was working at was like two steps from the pier. You know, it's right there. It blew. If anybody knows Folly Beach, and um, two years, just kind of decompressed. And then after about two years, I, I realized it's time, time to get back in the real world. Um, so I started doing uh, appraisal classes, and I was a, a trainee for an appraisal company. At the same time, I was finishing up my undergrad. And I got my undergrad through the GI Bill at Southern New Hampshire University. Um, it, it was a Bachelor of Science in business, uh, Small Business Management. And then um, started my own firm, my, my own appraisal firm, after I was finished with my trainee stuff uh, with the appraisal company. And I, I was a one-man show for a while, and it was, it's really kind of the next step. Once, once you become um, a certified residential appraiser, it's really kind of going out on your own and you end up being kind of a one-man shop. So you end up organically becoming an entrepreneur. And it, it was never really an ambition 
the entrepreneur side of things, the ambition was have my own shop and just kind of kind of do the appraisal stuff the way I want to. And I just kind of got the entrepreneurial bug from that, I guess. When I started realizing working for myself was fantastic. I really liked setting my own schedule. I liked, you know, having control over my clients and stuff like that. Um, so I did that for a couple years and then I, I realized I wanted to get more education in my current field. So um, I, I ended up going up to DC and I got a master's science in real estate and infrastructure from Johns Hopkins University. And while I was there, I was actually appraising in Virginia. I was actually appraising in both Virginia and South Carolina because after my first semester, so, it's, so it's, it was actually three semesters uh, with the summer being it, and that's the whole program, it's a year program. After the first semester, I started running out of money because DC is so expensive. So I actually was scheduled my classes. I, I, I took the third semester during the second semester as well. And I scheduled all my classes for the beginning part of the week. And then I would drive back here and do inspections in South Carolina and then do appraisal work and the, the school work at the same time up there. So once I was done up there, I ended up coming back and I started kind of growing my appraisal firm. Um, hired some people that I knew to become trainees under me. Um, and then it just started growing. And at this point for the appraisal company, we have uh, one certified residential appraiser who I have trained from the, from the ground up. And then we have three trainees and then um, an analyst and a executive assistant. So it just kind of grew to, to like a small appraisal shop, but we are um, one of the biggest appraisal shops in the state of South Carolina for sure, appraisal firms. It sounds as though the appraisal company and your core competencies in the appraisal business led to an opportunity in this space. Talk to us about that. So that experience with the appraisal company led me to Oscar Mike Mobile Appraisals. And it, the, the, the funny story about how that started was I was quite literally at a bar in Key West and I was at Sloppy Joe's and I, my, I had a friend's band was playing and I had family on the stools next to me and I was like, I wanna do more of this. I wanna do more enjoying life and stuff and how, how do I do that? How do I do that with the appraisal company? And this was, was pre-COVID, very, very shortly pre-COVID, so it was December 19. And I said, you know, the best way to do it is do more remote work, do more remote appraisals, which basically meant that I can do desktop appraisals and I can do them from anywhere. You know, I'm, I am geographically competent in the upstate of South Carolina, so I needed good data to be able to perform these. And that's what led me to realizing that there should be a better data collection for uh, appraisal data to be delivered to me at the appraiser. And I can do a lot more kind of non-lender work, some, some attorney work, some uh, uh, um, insurance work, stuff like that. And I can, I can have somebody collect the data for me, have it submitted directly to me in a PDF and an XML form. I can put it directly into my form filling software and turn it in as a credible appraisal with data that's minutes old as opposed to data that's years old that I have to use from tax records or MLS and stuff like that. So um, I got with a developer who's actually right here in Endeavor. He's, his uh, company's 10 steps away from my door and brought him the idea and started talking to him and we started really working on this idea of the data collection for an appraisal inspection being done by the end user as opposed to the appraiser which allows me to be fully remote at that point so 
we started this process and it was it we didn't really have the gas on too much right it was just kind of like hey this is what i want to do let's you know they provided a quote we started kind of working on ideas and stuff like that and then COVID happened and when COVID happened we had a lot more um lenders and even like the federal housing authority and everybody else including desktops into their appraisal services because people weren't allowing appraisers into their houses, right? And we had to figure out a way to appraise. And kind of sidebar, I really thought that when, when COVID was going on, that, that our volume would decrease because, you know, you can't do showings anymore. You can't do this and that. But what I didn't realize is that with the interest rates so low at the time and everybody can do everything remotely with getting their information to lenders, the refinances skyrocketed and we had more business than we ever had starting in about May. So, you know, the appraisal is the kind of at the tail end of the transaction. So if you think that really kind of the quarantines and everything started in about March, that seems to fit in. And about May, we just started, I mean, it was gangbusters for the appraisal business and it has not slowed down since then. Um, but we started getting these desktop, the, they, they were calling them COVID-19 desktops. And it was basically you put in these disclaimers and say that this is where we got the information. We got it from MLS listing two years ago, or we got it from courthouse record systems. We got it from tax records and stuff like that. And as we're doing these, there were more, more than more often than not, I was having to go back to the lender and say, I don't have enough data to make this credible. I can't make a credible report. A perfect example was one that I did. I did an exterior. Basically, I drove by it, took pictures of the exterior of the house and performed the appraisal with the data I had. And it was a ranch house. It was an 1800 square foot ranch house from the outside. And it looked like, you know, every other ranch house from the MLS data when it was sold six months ago, it was not updated, just a ranch house. So I provided a value on that. However, in the six months, they had completely redone everything. Uh, marble countertop, I mean, they had pr everything was pristine. So obviously at that point, the value changes. So that's kind of an example of what we had, the, the, the obstacles we had to navigate to get a good credible value. So that's when I realized this application that we were developing could have practical use for the rest of the industry. And it's not just for me, I, 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 it's not just for me to sit down at Sloppy Joe's and ha have a drink and do some, do some you know, non-lender work. This could actually work for, um, for, for the industry. So we kind of hit the gas at that point and really started developing this the way we wanted. I did, you know, the, the app walks through the end user to do an inspection the way I do it. I'm a certified residential appraiser. I'm not a, a, an a appraisal management company. I'm not a lender. I'm not one of these big companies that's trying to collect data. I'm doing it the way that I would want it done because I'm a certified residential appraiser, which is really what the lenders and everybody else want to, to try to make it as similar as possible. So we created this, we walked through everything and, um, Realize that this product is going to work for, for, for lenders, for other appraisers can use, use it for non-lender work. Appraisers can even use it as a guide for trainees uh, in, you know, so that they don't have to sit there and watch them. It's a, it's a standardized way to do inspections and stuff like that. And uh, we debuted it in, in Las Vegas and the interest was just off the charts. And we've been working on beta testing and getting everything ready to go for market ever since. And I'm really excited about it. Paul, what is your focus to grow the app over the next year? It's really interesting that this is happening today.
because two days ago, the uh, Federal Housing Authority came out stating that they are gonna keep the desktops for appraisal solutions going forward, which is something that we didn't know if they were gonna do or not. Um, you know, at that point, we could still use it for non-lender work or whatever, but they had, two days ago, they came out with this, and they said that they're gonna keep these desktops in their repertoire for, for lending purposes, right? Which is huge, because as the government goes, everybody else, the GSEs and everybody else is gonna kind of follow suit. So yesterday, I contacted Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. They got back with me in the same day. I have uh, um, demos and presentations I'm doing for Fannie and Freddie in the next month. Um, I've contacted the Federal Housing Authority, so we're gonna be doing it for them. We're working on getting endorsements. We're working on getting um, approvals and stuff like that from the major GSEs. And if that happens, then at that point, we just become way more credible to lenders and we start marketing to lenders and appraisal management companies and stuff like that and moving forward. So I, I the next, to answer your question directly, the next six months to a year, I really see this just kind of branching out into all aspects of the industry. Um, I, I, I hope that it would it would branch out to all aspects of the industry and become some sort of a standard bearer to use for, for appraisal work going forward. That'll help. It'll, it'll help increase appraiser's fee per hour because if they're only sitting at their desk and having to fill out a few bits of information as opposed to scheduling, traveling, inspections, and stuff like that, then they end up making more fee per hour. But the labor's passed on to the end user, which means that um, the, the, the lenders don't have to charge so much for the appraisal, so the lenders end up saving money, and then it saves time. Right now, I'm at about 30 days out every time I, I schedule an inspection, and it's like that industry-wide. So, you know, how closings used to be 30 days, it's not that anymore, it's 45 days, it's 60 days. And that's because of appraisal turn times are so long. And with this, it could be days, as opposed to even weeks or months. So, I hope that if we market this correctly and move forward with it, that um, it would become some sort of a standard going forward. What is the business model for the application? Business model is a fee per use for appraisers. Um, fee per use for appraisers using it for trainees. And then we would do an enterprise model for um, companies that, that want to use it for lending purposes that want to do volume. So we would actually kind of work, work with them to do some sort of either a per use or buying licenses or stuff like that. So there's, there's a few different ways that we can make some, some money on this. And then we can do a subscription model too um, for people like realtors who want to do pre-listings um, and want marketing packages and stuff like that. So um, there's a few different ways uh, to make money on this. Paul, so you have also started a restaurant. Talk about the move into this area. I guess how it all started was one of my first jobs was working in the restaurant industry. And I have always worked in the restaurant industry in one way or another. When I was in the military, I would go out and get a job bartending or bouncing or serving out in town. Um, Cause it was either, you know, spend, spend time on the weekends in the barracks, drinking a case of beer and playing Halo or something like that. Or, you know, going out and getting a job. And not many people did go out and get a job. So I went out and got jobs in the real world and got to know people and stuff. It was, it was kind of my way of getting, separating military life and real life and stuff like that. Um, so I've always had a job. And then even when I was starting Oscar Mike Appraisal Group, I was working at the Peace Center here. So I was doing bartending work and actually met um, two of the guys that work for me now uh, at the Peace Center. We bartended together and my fiance as well. She was at the Peace Center as well. But um, I've always had a job and 
after Oscar Mike Appraisal Group was kind of, I got it to the point where it was kind of running itself. I wasn't really doing too much work on it. I was working maybe 20 hours a week and I had a lot of free time and stuff. And I just, I, I, I don't know, I wanted to do something else. And I wanted to do something completely different to challenge me. You know, I, I know that that's kind of a weird way to look at it, but I knew that I was always in restaurants. I knew it was something that I wanted to do going forward. I love being in the restaurant industry. I love being in the kitchen. I love being in the, behind the bar and stuff. So we actually started a, a franchise in Clemson and went through the process of owning a franchise and knew, um, you know, kind of learned what to do and what not to do. And then when COVID happened, it's a, full, it's a full service restaurant. When COVID happened, we had to shut down. My business partner, Ryan, and I were sitting in, the, in an empty restaurant the day after it shut down. And it was really kind of a depressing scene that two owners are sitting in this empty restaurant at like noon when it should be full with lunch people, right? So we really came, started coming up with a business plan to avoid, we sat there for a couple hours and we came up with a business plan to avoid this happening in the future. We kind of realized that COVID was going to be around for a while. We did not think it was going to be around this long, but we knew that going forward that there was going to be some, if you'll allow some PTSD going forward with people, you know, going into restaurants and being around people and stuff like that. So we wanted to do a food delivery system that got people's food in their hands quick, quickly, um, contactless, using technology, and we came up with the fast casual model and kind of thought about companies like Chipotle or Moe's or something where you can go in, you can order, you can go down the line and you can leave, right? And then you can do delivery service. You can order online, you can order through an app and stuff like that. So we really embraced the business model before we even had a cuisine. And we said going forward, this is what we want to do going, you know. And um, at the time, or, or actually I, with six months later, cut to six months later, I started a, another master's program and I'm in the, I'm, I'm a ma master of professional studies at the Culinary Institute of America. And it's, it's an online program, but we do residencies in Napa and, and Hyde Park and stuff. And I was having conversations and having to do a project with um, some of my, my fellow students, which are some of the best restaurant minds across the country and, um, or actually across the world. Cause we had some that were international. And we started really kind of diving into the Mediterranean diet. And I did, um, talked about blue zones and talked about Sardinia and more people are living to a hundred in, in, in places like this than anywhere else. And um, the Mediterranean diet really, it, it almost combined everything for me. It was something that we can serve as fast casual, go down the line, pick your, pick your topping, pick your whatever, have chef curated bowls. But it was also something that was fresh, it was healthy, and there's so much flavor, so much flavor in the Mediterranean food. And that's, that's really what kind of led me to that. If you think of the Mediterranean as just not Greek or Italian, and you kind of go to North Africa, you go to Lebanon, you go to the, the flavors of even South France and stuff like that, the flavors are there. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. So we, um, we created a menu and, and in the, I, it could have been a physical light bulb that popped up over my head, I don't know, but this cuisine, this business model, that's what we put together. And that's really kind of how the, the parsley and mint Mediterranean eatery came around. Um, and it, it, the, we, we kept the food fresh and healthy. We, we created a menu and created delivery service, found a location downtown, found our second location over in uh, Traveler's Rest or, or in, uh, right next to Furman. And really just, 
I don't know how to describe it. We just started the process and it just kept going. About right when this happened and we started this process, it was, we were about halfway through with the app and I was thinking, okay, thinking about timing. The restaurant will open here. The second restaurant will open here. The app will do this. Thinking about the, the kind of circle in the calendar. But of course, everything happened at the exact same time. So I had to really kind of kind of work on time management for that. But uh, every everything ended up coming together. So now we have we have two restaurants. Like I said, we have one in downtown Greenville, um, right off of Main Street, and then we have one um, right off of Old Buncombe in uh, right next to Furman University. So, what is your advice for entrepreneurs? The most valuable asset that you have is time and you have to know where to put your time um you can try to do everything yourself a lot of entrepreneurs do that but the, unfortunately that that seems to be a recipe of of to where you don't grow you have to surround yourself with people that are smarter in certain areas than you might be and that's really what i did i i i partnered with a company a food vendor in which we had them help us develop a menu. I'm not a chef. I'm, I'm, you know, I've never been a chef. I'd like to be a chef. I'm, I'm going to do a, a program in Napa next year. But um, I knew that I wasn't at the beginning of this, and I knew I knew the business idea and the cuisine was there, and I knew I had operations um, expertise to, to to make this happen. But when it actually came to the food and the flavors and everything else, I had the partner with somebody and talk to somebody about this and have them walk me through and do test kitchens. And it doesn't mean that you have to follow every piece of advice. They gave us menu items and we tweaked them. We brought them into our kitchen and, and did things the way we wanted to, added some more flavor here, made this a little bit fresher and stuff like that. But you, you have to have assistance. And, and it's because um, if you're not the expert in that field, you go find the expert in that field. I am not an expert in PR. I know that. I, I am not an expert in advertising. I'm not an expert in social media. So I went out and found, you know, the best PR company in town, um, in, in the Southeast, in my opinion, in the world, in my opinion. But um, because I knew that I wasn't, I didn't know that. And my first email to them was literally telling them, I am, treat me like I'm a five-year-old because I have no idea about PR. I have no idea about any of this stuff. Um, and it's, it's just different aspects of, of the business. Know what you need help with, know where you need to spend your time, and then um, everything else should kind of fall into place. And I think another word that is very, very significant is options. Always have an option to pivot if you need to. And that's what we're able to do with the restaurants. That's what I'm able to do with the, with the appraisal industry. We had to pivot to be able to do these desktop appraisals, these exterior. We had to figure out who we needed to talk to within the lender. You always have to have options. You have to have an exit strategy, but always have options and be adaptable. Be adaptable to change. That's, that's a good word there, adapt. Think about the Marines, adapt and overcome. That's really, you know, three words, but adapt and overcome would be fantastic for, for advice and kind of going through with, with, with to, to other entrepreneurs and stuff. And being able to adapt is very, very big in, in being an entrepreneur. But again, to go back to the original, um, there's not necessarily a plan. I think that I'm just going to adapt with what, move, with what comes to me and how we build these businesses. 
and just every look for every opportunity that I can when it comes to options of either selling, exit strategy, moving forward with creative and stuff like that. So, Paul, what are a few of your personal interests outside of work? So it's it's not really outside of the of the work. It's actually interior to the business and it will end up helping me in the long run. But my my interest right now is culinary is is you know, doing the masters with the Culinary Institute of America was was something that I wanted to do. It's it's not, I don't need to pad my resume. I'm pretty solid on the resume side. I don't need anything like that. This is something I wanted to learn more about. And I knew that I wanted to learn more about the business side of food and, you know, be able to be in the same room as a, as a, as a Michael Mina or Charlie Palmer or something like that and, and kind of know what they go through when they do their restaurants. But going through that actually led me to be more interested in the actual culinary side and the chef side of things. So I am actually, you know, in, as, as you said, I, I, I still do work 18 hours, 18 to 20 hours a day, really getting everything where I need it and stuff. And I know that it's going to pay off in the end. And I'm doing that so that I can I can travel. I can, I can do some traveling starting next year. Um, but one of the main things I'm going to do a, a program, it's a culinary program in Napa with the Culinary Institute of America called the Advanced Culinary Arts Program. And it's literally just 30 weeks of straight learning how to be a chef and, and, and going through that process and you know the, the, everything from the basics to the advanced. And that interests me. When I'm in the kitchen, when I'm creating things, when I'm having fun putting this flavor with this flavor, figuring out that harissa can go with honey on top of a baked feta is just, that is fantastic to me. That is fun. That is awesome. Making things and creating things is really kind of what I feel like my, my, my life is shifting to. The business side of things, the analytical side of things I've done a lot of, and I really still kind of enjoy. Um, but you know, I'm about to be 40 years old and I want kind of to get over that hill and then keep on moving forward in a more creative way, as opposed to, um, just building businesses and trying to make money and stuff like that. That was our interview with entrepreneur Paul Rill from Greenville, South Carolina. Paul owns three companies, Oscar Mike Appraisals Group, Oscar Mike Mobile Appraisals, and also Parsley and Mint Restaurant. This series on entrepreneurs is brought to you by First Community Bank, First Community Bank member FDIC, Nephron Pharmaceuticals, the Riley Institute at Furman University, NP Strategy, and Endeavor.